Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Allis, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideau, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. You know, I had a nice uh, nice day yesterday. It was my beautiful daughter, Nicole, the attorney, as I like to say. Nicole Atlas, Esquire. Esquire. Uh, I just only regret I have. It's not a regret, you know. I'm just I, that it. You know, she couldn't become an attorney thirty years ago. You know, I I couldn't have had it then. I could have. I could have. She would have been overworked. She would have been overworked a little more than thirty years, maybe. But, um, but she wasn't here yet. She wasn't here yet. She came at the right time. We had a beautiful dinner over in a nice restaurant, really nice restaurant in Brooklyn. Uh, had everybody there. The only people missing was uh, my son and his grandchild, his wife. They're in Vegas, but we had our two beautiful grandchildren, her children, and her husband, and and uh, my sister and her husband, and of course my wife. And uh, it was a, it was really, you know, I turned got a, I got a. We always talk about full transparency. I. I learned something last night. I learned that my daughter was 39 years old. <laughs> I, you know, Elaine, of course, my beautiful wife was like, Teddy, uh, come on, don't be t- uh, saying you didn't know how old. No, I just wanted to verify it. I said, um, uh, you're 39? And, you know, everybody was laughing. I just don't know how it happened. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. It's going to happen to you. I know it it's already happening does. already. It already does. But uh, uh, one day she was seven or eight, and she was calling me. <laughs> I'm a, a man can say such things. She was calling me her little cream puff, right? <laughs> and, and you know, Cus would say, you, "If you're going to have someone calling you that, you better be able to fight." I can fight. <laughs> uh, and now. All of a sudden, one day you're sitting in a restaurant with her and she's got two beautiful children and we're celebrating her 39th birthday. How did that happen? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how did it happen? And I, I just, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. Uh, I just want to say, obviously you guys all know this saying, time waits on nobody. And it's so true. And I'm just saying, go out there, all of you, uh, and tell somebody you, you're hesitant about telling, tell them you love them. Uh, you're hesitant about saying, I'm sorry, tell them you're sorry. You know, you, you, you want to go and try something that you're afraid of trying, try it. You, you want to you, you wanna go and apply for a job, but you're not sure you're up to, apply for the job. Yeah, you want to try out for a basketball team or a baseball team or any kind of, but but again, you're not sure. Do it. Do it. Do all of it. Because you're not going to have time if you don't do it now. And you don't want to have that word that I talk about on the show a lot. You know, that, that word called regret. You don't want to have that. So go and live. Go and live your life and, and do it today. You know Don't what I think a lot of tomorrow. people you know what I think a lot of people hesitate from is um, they're overly concerned about the critic, the opinion of other people, the opinions of other people. 
And I always think of the poem by um, Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. And basically, in summation, it says, it doesn't, the critic who's sitting up in the stands pointing the finger about the tough guys who fall down while they're trying and failing, they don't matter. It's the guy who's in the arena with blood, sweat, and dirt on his face who keeps trying and keeps trying and dares to be great so he doesn't have to be with those cold, lifeless souls of those who don't even dare to try. And that's like a perfect summation of life. And what you're saying is completely accurate. And at, you're right. As you get older, you start to realize the time, the clock's running. It's never going in reverse. You can't buy. You can't even steal more time. All you can do is take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. And if you're living and worrying about the opinions of other people, I guarantee you they're too busy with their own crap to be worried about what you're doing. You know, I so, always have a saying in, in boxing, I've said it for years, that it's harder to quit in a fight or in life than it is to fight. Yep. And a lot of people say, but Teddy, if you quit, you don't have to deal with it. Oh, you're so wrong. <laughs> you're so wrong. Yeah, the difference is if you fight, you only have to deal with it for moments, for moments. But if you quit, it's eternity. It's forever. So that's, that's what I'm saying. And um, go out there. Go out there and do what you want to do and what you thought you wanted to do and what you thought before you, for months, for years, whatever, uh, whatever it is. Go out there and do, and fail. But put everything into it as you fail. And freaking after you fail, say, damn it, I fought a good fight. Damn it, I'll fight it again tomorrow. And to the people who are concerned about the, the negative opinions of other people, I promise you that when you try to do great things, it's easy to be consumed about the people that might think negatively of you. But I guarantee you, when people see you trying and failing and trying and failing, you'll see support from areas and people in your life that you never expected. It happens to me with running all the time. I always think if I did something, if I had a bad race, oh, these people are going to be critical. But the, the support comes from the least likely places. And then all of a sudden you're like, Wow, there's people actually paying attention and genuinely good people that want to see other people succeed. Because winners want to see other people succeed. Only losers and haters are rooting for you to do something bad. Those people aren't worth worrying about. No, those people in some ways are worth pitying and, and praying for. Seriously. You're, you're right. And, and I'll leave it with this, what you just said. I'll leave it with this. The one that you'll get the most support from after you fell is from yourself because it will have taught you something it would have taught you that number one that you should have done it and you did it and you tried and there's no failure in trying there's no there's failure in not trying but there's no failure in trying and you'll learn something you'll get a little better from it a little more sure of yourself and you'll be a little closer to winning the next time, winning fully, fully at work, and realizing that you've already won to the level that you've tried it, that you've put yourself into, you've explored an area of yourself that you hadn't had the nerve, the confidence, whatever you want to call it, to explore before. And today you explored it. There is no losing in that. None. Anyway, tonight, tonight you got a good game, um, college basketball. Ken, you're going to be watching it. I mean, I know your Tennessee Volunteers. You know they 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 didn't do too well, but um, 
It's obviously a, a great, I think, a, well, it's a great game. It's North Carolina and Kansas. It's been a great tournament. The North Carolina, North Carolina Duke game might be one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was theater. It was drama. It was a movie. I mean, it, it had a script. It had Two everything. crazy I mean, heated rivals like the Red Sox Yankees style. They hated those, They hate each true. other. Hate. It was on. It's true. Like Boston and the Yankees, I can't believe Boston actually that that one year that Mario Rivera let us down. <laughs> I, I I still can't because it would have been it would have been another hundred years, oh, and you know. know it. You know, know it. If they I didn't know. do it the way they did it, coming back three nothing and all that stuff, if Big they didn't poppy. do it that way. Uh, Big Poppy, yeah, Big Poppy, that son of a gun. You can't, you can't uh, even kill that guy. They couldn't even kill him in the Dominican Republic. They tried to shoot him. He, he absorbed those bullets like they were fastballs from Rivera. Yeah, because what that's why you, you guys wanted. So you brought out the truth because he made a deal with the devil. Uh, you did too. You guys, the Boston Red Sox fans, finally got to the point. They made a freaking deal with, with the <laughs> Faust or whatever they call that guy with the freaking thing sticking out of his head. You did. That's you the only reason you won. You, know you didn't beat the Yankees. <laughs> you didn't beat the Bronx Bombers. In 2018, when the Red Sox beat the Dodgers to win the World Series, I took my son to that game when the Red Sox actually won. It was the first baseball game he had ever been to, and he saw the Red Sox win the World Series, and it was the first time I ever saw them win the World Series. That's unbelievable. The oh, That's so unbelievable. Much fun. The people, you I do it say, the right way. You do it in people, style, kid. The people of LA couldn't have been nicer. We wore our Red Sox hats, and I was thinking, I, I literally, I said to my son, he was like eight. I said, listen. If something happens and we get separated, grab an adult, find a police officer. Because I was like, oh, we got a Red Sox hat on. Who knows what kind of lunatics are going to be out here? I always want to have a plan. Luckily, the fans were couldn't have been nicer. They're like, oh, such a great experience, you and your son. Like people down in the, like we were maybe in the 10th row. People, Someone in the front row said, hey, with the game's almost over, go take our seats down front. We sat right behind Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel. Watched them win, watched the trophy. Oh, it was magic. So great. Yeah, I, I just want you to leave me your Rolodex one day so I could. <laughs> that's all I want. Really, you, that's you all I want in life. It. I don't want nothing else in life. Anything I have is yours. Listen, I appreciate that. Um, so you got, uh, like, this game tonight, like you said, you had everything in the game the other night and Saturday night. You had the winningest coach in the history of the sport retiring. You know, his team trying to do it for him. Then you had the other team that was struggling during the year. They got a new coach their first year. Hubert uh, Davis, what a job he's done. And, and you know, and you've... It's been incredible. I I know I always find a way to put boxing in there because for me, boxing is life. But I... One of the greatest things is watch a young fighter grow. <laughs> just watch him. Watch him get better every day, every fight. He just gets a little better. And that's what North Carolina's been to me. All year long, especially in the last run of 10, 12, 13 games, whatever it's been, they're probably arguably the hottest team that went into the NCAA uh, tournament. Nobody thought they had a chance. They were they were. They were rated, uh, they were put at number eight, I believe number eight. Yeah, they're eight. Um, right? Yeah. They're seated at number eight, and Duke, of course, was number two. And you watched them in this tournament grow like a fighter, like just get more confidence, get more sure of themselves, find out things about themselves, literally, literally mature and grow with their first-year coach right in front of you. And 
the interesting thing about the it's the two best teams left. You don't always get them. But in this case, you think theoretically that's what's supposed to happen. In this case, I think it happened. Right now, because it's not about any time but now. Right now, these are the two best teams. And the thing about... I'm going to pick Kansas, and I'll tell you why. I, even though it's a kind of like you got to root for both, and you'd be happy with either one. But North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, all those kind of teams, they have historically have been the monsters, the big, you know, traditionally the, the great teams, but their history tells you that. And it's kind of like almost as great as Kansas has been for the last, I can't tell you how many years, with Bill Self. Nobody's talking about Bill Self. Nobody's talking about... It's almost like they've been they've been under un, underappreciated. As great as they've been, like off the radar, like like people are sleeping on them and, and just don't give them the credit that they deserve. North Carolina, it's North Carolina. We get it. It's, it's college basketball. Duke, college basketball. Again, Kentucky, all those Air teams. Jordan. The, Air Jordan. All, all the history of it. But Kansas has been, un, they've been a rock. They, they've been unbelievable. Bill Self, he doesn't get mentioned with all these. You hear these coaches. They, you never hear Bill Self and what a tremendous coach he is and what a job he's done. They are the kind of fighter that doesn't have the glitter, doesn't have any of those things. They're just solid. You know what I mean, Ken? They're solid, strong, dependable. Listen to the run that North Carolina went on. I was just looking to see who played who and who had the tougher route. Okay, yeah. no North Carolina beats Marquette. Okay, eight versus nine. Then North Carolina beats the crap out of Baylor, number one seed in that in that in that in that fort one and of the four character got tested in that game they were up by 25 and Baylor came all the way back in the last seconds to tie it and they go into overtime they showed a lot they grew up in that game go ahead then they beat ucla then they got a layup with st peter's who had been on a run but oh my god st peter's looked just terrible in that they lost by 20 then they beat then they beat number two duke so i mean they beat the one they beat a 1, a 4, a 9, a 15, a 2, and now they got Kansas, who's just been mauling people. Kansas beat a 16, a 9, a 4, a 10, and a 2. But, man, this is going to be a, this is a good no, matchup. No, they sound, what you just said about North Carolina, I'm glad you brought that. I mean, they sound like Marvin Hagler. You know what I mean? He, 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 no, you know, no shortcuts. No, you know what I mean? No, no, no golden boy that got an Olympic goal, got this or got that, and they move up real fast. I mean, they earned their way. They the, fought everyone. That, in that Duke, everyone. the Duke-North Carolina game, as you were watching it, didn't you get the sense that when Duke would get the ball and get on the court, they were scoring at times almost effortlessly, and then North Carolina would be like the little engine that could 25 passes, two offensive rebounds, they'd get a point. And you're like, oh my God, they're still in this. And at times, Duke would jump out five, seven points. I'm like, God damn, they're going to run away with it. I was watching it with the kids. My middle son is just obsessed with sports. I don't know where it comes from. He's eight. But he's like, Dad, I don't, I don't think that North Carolina can do it now. They're down by seven. And I'm like, I don't know. Then they come down, they hit a three. A turn. It was just... 
I got the impression all along the way where it was like one fighter was just head and shoulders better than the other, and the other guy would win around, get a knockdown late, and it was like he just kept hanging around, hanging around, and then as the final buzzer goes, boom, they won. It, like I felt like Duke looked much better as a team or as individuals at times, but North Carolina just wouldn't go away, and they just kept punching, and eventually they got him out of there. It was awesome. Awesome no, it was it was like a fight. It was like Mickey Ward Gaddy, the first <laughs> exactly. one. Exactly. That's what it was. Because no, really, Arturo was... Gaddy looked better 90% of the fight, but when Mickey would turn it on, he'd be like, whoa, where'd that come from? That's how I felt North Carolina Duke was. Duke should have won that game, and North Carolina just refused to go away. Castillo Corrales, another oh, one. Oh you know, God. I mean, just... Best just round a, I've ever seen. Oh, my God. I mean, well, right up there with the ninth round of Mickey Ward and yeah. Gaddy, the, the first fight. Yeah. And, and then if you go for those great fans we have out there, I'm always thinking about Just don't think I... Don't ever think I don't. Um, if you go back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, when you had the Boza Edwards, Bazooka Lamones, uh, um what was the other guy that was involved in so many, so many of those? With those guys, it was three guys. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, I can't think of his name right Hacksaw now. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh no, that was no. Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a. Uh, that's true. But no, this. Um, anyway, he. Yeah, he had such wars. I mean, they fought the fight of the year a couple times. They, uh, I'm trying to remember what the heck his name was. He, he was, um, was it from Texas, I believe. Just a tough guy, and he's in bad shape now, unfortunately. Um, Tie something. Uh, no, look it up, Ken. Look it up. You got something I don't have. You have computer skills. <laughs> I'm uh, sure or, Rob or, is doing or, it. Or Rob, 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 look it up. He up. fought Bose Edwards. He fought B Bazooka Lamont. It was the seventies, the eighties. Um, they 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 fought many fights of the year. Uh, they 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 were in wars all the time. All Let the time. Let me tell time. you one thing. While Rob is looking at that, you mentioned Mickey Ward. We actually he he reached out to me a couple of weeks ago about getting on some athletic greens, and Rob hooked him up with the marketing guy over there. But while we're on that, let me just give a take a quick minute to give a shout out to Athletic Greens. They've been with us from the beginning. You know, we've been beating the drum on these guys. Here it is. Athletic Greens comes in a pack a bag like this. You mix one scoop of it with water in the morning. You make sure you get all your vitamins and uh, all, all your vegetables and fruit servings for one day. 75 whole food source ingredients. I literally put it into a water bottle like you would carry on your bike. Shake it up. Drink it down. Boom. There's your multivitamin. You get all your you get all your greens and vegetables all in one serving. Go to athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. They'll send you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. If I were you, I would subscribe to the monthly service. Give Bobby Chacon. I'm sorry. There Bobby Chacon. But go ahead. <laughs> I knew you'd come up with it. Hey, give these guys a try for three months. Let me know what you think. If you don't like it, We'll figure out some sort of bonus prize for you, but I know you're going to like it because I've been taking this for every day for the last two or three years. I got two more weeks to go, Teddy, for the Boston Marathon. Two weeks from today, I'm ready to challenge the contenders for the victory there. I always think I have a chance to win the whole race until someone proves otherwise. Like we said earlier, never give up on yourself. I, I, I know it sounds a bit hype, like uh, hyperbole, but in the back of my mind, I always do think kind of like, if everything went right, maybe someone doesn't run really well, I have the race in my life, maybe I can be up there with the winners mixing it up. 
whether or not that's to be a reality, I convince myself that it is an outside possibility. So look for, look for, if you're going to be in Boston, April 18th, give me some shouts along the way. I hope to see a bunch of the fans up there. I know there's going to be a lot of people that follow the show in Boston for that race. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. Help us out. Try Athletic Greens. I know you'll love it. You know, it's funny. You brought up the Athletic Greens at the perfect spot because I I was thinking last night, I was thinking last night, how did my daughter become 39, as I was saying earlier? And then I was thinking, how did I become 101? And then, and then right after that, I was thinking, Ken would say, you better take your athletic greens <laughs> if you want to get to 102. You better keep, and Ken would say, that's how you got to 101, because you've been taking your athletic greens. And I won't tell you what Ken's age is because that's that's not right. Friends <laughs> don't do that. Friends don't. Do that. <laughs> when I think of my age, Teddy, honestly, no, I, I I'm like when I say it, I'm like that, that can't be. That's they're talking about someone else. That's an old man. I think I'm like a little kid. Like my wife would say, I was a little kid. Like I'm her fifth child because my mentality still feels like I'm young. But I I realize when I watch a clip of our video, I'm like, oh my god, I'm old. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, look at how vibrant you are. I mean, uh, keep taking those things, baby. I want you to stay around. But that was Bobby Chacon, Bazooka Lamone, uh, uh, Bose Edwards. There was a couple others. And they would fight basically the fight of the year, like uh, every year. Uh, and unfortunately, there was a price to pay because uh, it took as I always say, and that's why I fight for the fighters, and I always did on ESPN so much, and people would say, Teddy, why do you, you put yourself at risk, you go crazy, you you basically get yourself fired, which I basically did, um, by by saying these things, why is it, you know, why is it so important, take your freaking check, go home, and no, it's important because unlike any other sport, you know, it's different if, say you run a, you, you get a base hit and they call you out at first base. Well, nowadays they have replayed to rectify it, but back in those days they didn't. But, all right, it's tough, you know. Uh, but the next day, you, or, or a couple innings later, you get up again and you get a chance to do it again, make up for it. In boxing, you don't get that chance to get back to that place. Sometimes you never get it. You fight for the title, they rob you. You never get. And the most important thing is every time you get in the ring, you come out of there with less of yourself than you went in there with. Less. And sometimes it shows up 20 years later, 10 years later. But that's the price. That's the price that you pay. And I figure if people are willing to pay that price, fighters are willing to, then I should at least fight for them a little bit since I had the platform to freaking do it. I'm no hero. I'm no great nothing. But... If I have the platform to do it, I can make the choice to do it. And that's why I would make the choice. I, I felt it was that important for that reason. Because you do lose a piece of yourself every time you get in the ring. You're not the same person. So um, anyway, uh, tonight, the basketball game, it, it should be... Teddy, for the guys, for the, for the people at, uh, at, who are following along at MyBookie, check them out at MyBookie.ag. The line is Kansas minus four. Uh, I I like you. I think Kansas wins just because they've looked so good. But UNC's got that story. I think with the points, I'm taking North Carolina in four points. What the hell? The tough thing about the tough thing about handicapping this game is this: North Carolina just keeps getting better. 
I agree. They're, they're on that mag- on paper, Kansas should win by 20. They're on that mag- You're right. They're on that magical carpet ride. And you yep. don't know where that carpet's going to take them next. Because yeah. there's, there's intangibles, go variables, I X agree. factors going on here that, that, that you don't see all the time. And, and that, again, it's like watching a fighter just get better right in front of your eyes than he was when he was in the locker room. He goes out there in the ring, and you say, oh, my God, he wasn't as good in the gym last week. Oh my, he, He's just finding himself. He's finding out. He's getting answers about himself. And North Carolina's been getting answers about and they just keep growing. So, and, Teddy, like you say, when, it, when, it, when a fighter gets the belt, he's like 30% better. Keep in mind, North Carolina, they have no doubts about themselves. They've already beat the number one uh, Baylor. They beat number four UCLA. They just beat number two Duke. They're not worried about this. They're, they're, as far as they're concerned, no, they're agree. like where they're supposed to be. So the mat, when you take all that into consideration and you're giving them some points, I think you know not being a college hoops expert or a big fan, I take the points and uh, North Carolina with the magic story. Yeah, well, points uh, points aside, of course, that's the magic. You got to be able to do it with the points uh, when you're dealing with my bookie and with the real world of obviously of putting your money on the line. But uh, I, I'm I think Kansas stops the magic carpet right. But we'll see. Either way, it's been a magic carpet right. This tournament's been really, really incredible and. Uh, Let's take that carpet right over to the sport that we love. Yeah, we had a very quiet weekend in combat sports. The only event in town was one of your favorites, WrestleMania. The only thing I'll say on that is I I don't watch wrestling, but uh, my friend Jamie Horowitz is like an executive over there, and I know it was a big deal to him. And Logan Paul came out and played the role of a heel and did a wrestling match. And again, I don't know much about wrestling, but he looked as good as anyone I've ever seen in wrestling. He was flying around off the top rope. He gave a, a bunch of slams. To, do you remember we went to NASCAR in California, Teddy, and we were up in the box with, um, was it the drummer from Motley Crue, Tommy Lee, and the wrestler, Ray Mysterio, the little guy with the mask on? And we had some pictures, me, you, and Alex Vosdick. We met the uh, little wrestler. He had a mask on. He wrestled Logan Paul. It was really entertaining, and it just made me think, like, good for Logan Paul and, and, and Jake Paul. I get that some people are jealous. They don't like them, but I, you've mentioned this before. Those kids are just out there living the American dream. They, they're doing what they're, – they're taking advantage of everything that's, that's offered to everyone in this country, opportunity, and making the most of it. You don't have to like anything about them, but if you don't appreciate and respect two guys – who just saw an opportunity and created their own life. They're making tens of millions of dollars, seem to be living their best lives. And I think that, you know, it's easy for people to be jealous. They play the role of the heel really well. But at the end of the day, they're doing what we all want to do. They're living life on their own terms. They're doing things that they want to do. They're wrestling. The younger one is fighting. Now he's saying he's going to try out for the NFL. At this point, if he said he was going to go be an astronaut, I'd be like, well, he's kind of doing everything he says he was going to do. With that being said, um, you, you, That's we, exactly we, what I've been saying about him yep. when we break down his fights and and some of the you know the diehard the diehard boxing fans. I understand it, you know, in the old timers they get mad at me. Teddy, how could you give this guy credit? I give him credit for at least not just chasing his dream, but going out there and doing it the right way by getting a trainer, getting in the gym, busting his backside, and learning, respecting the sport. Going in there and learning what he had to learn. Uh, listen, I understand he's not at a level of a fighter that, you know, uh, uh, of, of even fighters 
that that are more journeyman fighters in our business. I understand he's not at that com- that level of uh, being able to compete with uh, fighters that do that for a living and have been doing that. I get it. He's been fighting, but he's been fighting legitimate guys as far as you know yeah they were more wrestlers some of them than they were uh ufc strikers and yeah they were uh, older and maybe past their prime uh, as woodley and that but they were legitimate athletes legitimate fighters and again the thing i give him credit for is and that some of the the you know the the boxing lifers get a little mad at me for is that he went about it the right way. You know, he, he went and said, I'm going to learn. I'm going to go in the gym, you know. And he did take the risk. Yeah, he's been smart about the the opponents and the spots that he's been picking. Mayweather's smart about the spots he picked, especially late in his career too. We didn't get on him for that, you know. So I, I give him credit. I give him a lot of credit for just respecting the sport enough to go about it the right way and to create a market that he's created. I mean, that that's great. That's great. And people say, well, it hurts the sport. It's No, it don't because it's a separate entity. Uh, people that want to watch boxing and want to watch the top, they know where that is. They still exactly. watch that. This yep. is different. This is a different entertainment. This is on. This is a sidebar of that. And and you, it's your choice if you if you want to watch it. And I'll tell you something else that's going to get some of the old timers. I hope they don't roll over their graves when they hear this. But. In some ways, he's helped our sport, kind of like the Rocky movies helped. He's bringing more attention, more crossover attention to the sport by being there, where where you have people looking at it when he fights in a way that they weren't looking at it uh, in that segment of society or that segment of sports fans or people that weren't sports fans that just want to see something that they think is curious, that, that they think is uh, strange, that they think think uh, something crazy could happen. Whatever it is, he's brought eyeballs over to the sport. I give him credit for that, and I'm going to say now, I want to say to our fans out there, we're going to have him on the show. We're going to have him on the show. I want to. I, I know we were going to wait to announce that, but I want to say it now. Uh, I believe his word is good. Uh, I, I do. And um, he's, he's going to be on the show. He's going to come on, and we're going we're gonna to be able to talk to him and ask him talk about some of these things we're talking about right now yep and one of the things we talked about earlier teddy was getting out there and doing things and the time waits for no man and one guy who was lucky enough to be given a second chance at life after a horrific car accident that saw him get launched out of his car at about 100 miles an hour is the great errol spence the welterweight champ is going to be in action coming up here uh in the next uh, on april 16th against um Jordanus ugas Good matchup. Looking forward to this one. I know you have some thoughts on this one. What should we look for from uh, Spence Ugas? You know, Ugas is a counterpuncher. So start with that. He was a terrific, just like Spence was a terrific amateur, obviously, uh, Olympian and everything. Uh, but uh, Ugas, Ugas was, uh, was also a tremendous amateur uh, from the Cuban national team. And so he's, you know, he's got all that experience, all that confidence, everything and he's a really styles make fights 
And he's a he's a good counterpuncher. And he beat the legendary Pacquiao. Pacquiao was 42 years old, 41, 42, I'm not sure. But he's up there. But the interesting thing about that fight, if you're going to look at that to be able to handicap the Spence fight a little bit, which I do, I use everything. Ugas won the fight, but it was close. Pacquiao made it closer than some people might want to admit. And the reason it was close was Pacquiao outworked him. Yeah, I know it's about landing, and that's why Ugas won. He landed the cleaner, harder punches, most significant punch. But Pacquiao outworked him. And that, my point is this. I don't think he's... I don't think he's out working Spence. No. And, uh, and so that means he's going to have to do what he did with Pacquiao. He's going to have to land the cleaner, harder punches and affect them. First of all, Spence has a really good shin. I don't know that he's going to be able to land. See, a counter puncher needs a certain environment to be able to be at his best. The environment that he got from Pacquiao was the right environment. Even though Pacquiao's a legend, he's iconic, one of the greats, he is. But a counterpuncher needs his opponent to be aggressive and recklessly aggressive sometimes. And that's Pacquiao. Pacquiao got away with it being recklessly aggressive when he was young because he's so damn fast he could red, run red lights before a car came and crashed into him or before a cop could get there to give him a ticket. But as he got older... And he runs those red lights. He makes mistakes. He gets recklessly aggressive by reaching in and coming in from too far away. And he's a little slower. He could pay a price. And he did pay a price in Uga's fight with right hands. And right hands are the southpaw killer. And Uga's had that. And he was able to time Pacquiao all night long with the right hand. And again, Pacquiao gave him sort of what he needed by being aggressive. He's not going to get that help from Spence. Spence, for all we think, how strong he is, how big he is, what a body punch he is, how aggressive he is, he is cautiously aggressive. Yeah, he's aggressive, but behind the jab. Here, how boxer. You know, everybody thought that uh, Mikey Garcia would maybe have a chance against the biggest Spence by countering him. No, he didn't. You know why? Because Spence out-jabbed him. And when a guy is using his jab the right way from the right distance, it's very hard for a counterpuncher to be at his A-game because he needs something to counter. And when you're jabbing and staying out of range and controlling that range with a jab, you're not giving the counterpunch anything to counter. That's how I see this fight. Spence will not give Ugas what Pacquiao gave him, a target just coming in where he could just, you know, be able to time him coming in with counters. He's going to hit him with jabs. He, he's going to come behind that jab, that's, that southpaw jab, and it's, it's going to take a lot of Ugas' game away, his main part of his game. The ability to counter your opponent's mistakes, your opponent's recklessness. So, um, to me, the breakdown I just gave is the right breakdown. We'll see whether or not it plays out that way. But I'm I'm picking I'm picking Spence uh, because of what I just said. That I think it'll go the distance and. Another thing about Spence that bodes well for him, 
Ugas is good defensively. Spence is a good body puncher. You can break down a man's defense a little bit when you go to the body. Uh, you know, so I, I'm going with Spence, and uh, and that's it. Who are you going with? Oh, I'm taking Spence for sure. I think Spence too big. Too, too experienced, too, just too fast, too big. Um, Ugas is just, he, he, he's got some losses earlier in his career against some like lesser known talent. They weren't I, all fair though. You're great. You're I right. Agree. But I, I thought he beat, I thought he beat Porter. That, um, I was going to say, Porter. I thought he beat Porter Very in a close. decision loss. But split I thought decision he, I as thought close he as did. it gets. I did too. I do too. I thought he's been that, robbed a couple of times. But uh, again, uh, I'm I'm going with Spence, and uh, another thing I just want to mention, real quick, I I wrote this down. I reminded myself. I feel so good about it. We just passed two hundred thirty-seven thousand subscribers. I just want to say thanks to everybody. You know, uh, and and keep it up. You know, keep subscribing and keep telling others to subscribe, because if you keep doing that, we'll keep punching with you. You know, yeah, we're, for we're, sure. We're, we're and stay also, with you. also, last week after we mentioned the newsletter, Rob said we saw a big uptick in the um, in the subscriptions to our weekly newsletter. Uh, if you're not getting that, check the the, the show notes uh, today uh, below the podcast when it, where it's posted and sign up for the newsletter. We put together all the latest news from the boxing industry. Teddy puts together some thoughts. It's really thoughtful and 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 basically summarizes the entire week of everything that's happening in the boxing world. There's so many different outlets. We try to pull all the news under one umbrella and be your source for all things combat sports. So if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, please do so. We're probably going to do some uh, promotional stuff around that later in the year. That's where we'll be announcing merchandise drops, etc. So if you're on the newsletter, if nothing else, you'll be in the uh, you'll you'll be the first to find out when the when the new merchandise is available and what events we have coming up because we do have some big things planned for the second half of the year with the show. With that being said, we've got an awesome calendar coming up for fights, Teddy. I mean, at the week after. Um, the week after, well, obviously, we've got Triple G, who we interviewed last week, coming up against Murata this weekend. Then you've got Spence Ugas. And then on April 28th, the big boys are in action. Dillian White taking on Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury up to his usual antics, talking like crazy. But Dillian White seems to have gone into a... Um, you know, gone deep into the training lab. He hasn't shown up to press conferences. He doesn't, he's not going back and forth in the social media stuff, which, you know, you can interpret that however you'd like. I'm sure you can make a case for, for and against him going quiet. Uh, but this is a opportunity of a lifetime for Dillian White. If he wins this fight, whew, changes the trajectory of his career, especially after that shocking loss he had to, um, who knocked him out with the uppercut. Um, Pavetkin, my former Pavetkin, fighter. Yep. Pavetkin caught him after being dropped twice himself. Four, I've him. had 41 years of age. Yep. Yep. He just caught him with a perfect punch. He's too slick and too experienced to like get even lazy for a second. And Dillian White let his guard down and got clipped. We came back and avenged the loss. With that being said, Teddy, they're going to probably sell out Wembley for this. I think that's where it is. Wembley, Dillian White, Tyson Fury. What are you looking for there? You know, this White is a legitimate threat in this fight. A legitimate threat. Anyone who don't know that, you don't know that. Uh, I'm not going to say you don't know boxing because who says I'm right uh, just because I'm saying it. But from my experience, from knowing what I know about fighters about this game for 50 years, 
He better not be sleeping on him. A lot of people are sleeping on Dean White. A lot of people. They are. Definitely. Uh, and you know what? The one person that better not be is Fury. He better not be, and his people around him better not be letting him sleep on this guy. Because uh, if if he does, he, he might wake up to a nightmare. Um, he's big. Dean White, he's big. He can punch. He's got experience. Uh, he goes to the body well. Uh, I, I'll tell you, it's an interesting fight. And and Fury better be every bit of what he needs to be and what he has been, you know, going into this fight uh, for this guy. I know when he went into fights like the Wilder fight, you know, that he's fought now three times, he was ready for danger because he knew how hard Wilder could, you know, could punch. And he was prepared mentally and physically in that way. He better be prepared because I'm not saying he can punch on the level. Not too many people can, obviously, punch on the level of uh, of Wilder. But he 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 can punch hard enough to take you out of there uh, if if you're not if if you're careless. So I'll break it down this way. Fury has one advantage he does have is he's got mobility if he chooses to use it. He's shown that he's multidimensional. He's very well-rounded. He could go get you, and he can also box and use his legs. So he's he's got that. And he it's good to have a, you know, a rabbit in your hat, to have something up your sleeve uh, if you need it, to have that choice where maybe he can exploit Dan White in that area, who's pretty solid as a fighter. But for the most part, I've seen Dan White use his legs to survive, move laterally a little bit. But for the most part, he's he's in a gear of going forward in an aggressive manner, in a sort of uh, sort of a deliberate way. So maybe if he needs to, Fury, it's his choice. Uh, he can go and he can use those legs to open things up for himself, to hopefully for him to keep Dillian White off balance, keep Dillian White from getting set, uh, keep Dillian White, you know, a step behind you or a step behind him, if if you will. So he's got that and he might, he might need that. Uh, he's also got the better chin. Now, I'm not saying Dillian White don't have a decent chin. All I'm saying, he's been knocked out twice and Fury, of course, by the 41-year-old former champ who I trained, Povetkin, uh, he, he got stopped by uh, <coughs> by um, Joshua earlier in his career. The, but he's been hurt several times in fights. He's been hurt. So, that's one thing. And look, Dan Fury's been on the floor with the best puncher right now in the heavyweight division. He's been on the floor, but he's gotten off. He's been on the floor in two fights with him. And obviously, in both those fights, he, he got off the floor. One of them to get a draw. And of course, in the last one, he was dropped twice in one round. And he got up to get a knockout win. So, he's... 
he's got the heart, he's got the chin. We know White's also got heart. Uh, but I don't know that if I was asked, hey, Teddy, what would happen if White got hit with the shots that Wilder hit Fury with? Would he have survived? I'd have to say, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but Fury did. So Fury's got the advantage in that area. He hopes he doesn't have to use it. You always, are. I remember Customato one time, they asked him, me and him were at a press conference, he said, does your guy have a good chin? And, and Cus said, we hope we never find out. You know? <laughs> uh, that's what a real boxer guy would say. Because sure. uh, you're supposed to avoid those damn things, you know? And, and you don't want to show off your chin. Uh, if it... If the day does come and it comes for everybody that you get hit, yeah, you you hope to God you have a good shin. Uh, but I've I see if he if Fury, it's his call. As I said before, he's multi-dimensional, Ken, and he showed that he can be a heat-seeking missile going to get you, destroy you, and he could be a you know a guy like that you think he's a lightweight the way he boxes, moving around in a heavyweight's body, you know, kind of like uh, kind of like Goliath uh, with uh, David's brain, you, you know, uh, where, where all of a sudden uh, Goliath would start being smart and move around like David. Uh, so it's his choice. Wilder, uh, Fury, if he does choose to go after him, which he's been doing in his last several fights, he better be careful because White, I don't think people really see this dimension in him enough. He, he counters pretty good. He times pretty good. He can catch you coming in. And he's got a pretty good length on his arms, just like Fury does. He, he, can, he can surprise you. And again, if Fury does decide to engage and exchange with him, in the pocket, so to speak, he better be ready for what is very, for what Dylan White is very capable of throwing at him, which is good straight counter shots, good sh short hooks, shots that can be accurate, shots that maybe could surprise a guy like Fury as he's thinking that he's going to walk in and be the boss. He, he better be aware of that. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, I think it's going to be a very uh, good fight or the potential to be a very good fight. You never know that. It's, it's like Super Bowls. Sometimes you think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. It turns out to be a dud. Uh, you know, and it's next thing you know, one team's up by 28 points. Uh, so, I, well, let me I'm ask going, you this. Hold on. For the guys at my bookie, the line on this one, you can get back 400 on Dillian White. You got to lay 600 on Tyson Fury. What do you think? I'm not laying 600, number one. I'm with you. In, any, in very few heavyweight fights, I, I'm, I'm not going to lay, you know, back in the day, if you would have laid seven to, uh, seven to one uh, with Sonny Liston, against somebody named Muhammad Ali, you would have lost. Yep. And then in a rematch, you would have lost again for, I think, about the same odds. Uh, well, maybe the so, value trade for you here is Fury by KO, KO is minus 125. That bet I do like. I don't know if I like that one. I 
uh, first of all, I think I take what they call a flyer um, for something, you know, not crazy. It's not going to bankrupt you on white because I think he does have a chance to pull it off. I think he does. I'm not saying I'm picking him. I'm just saying for those odds, I take a flyer on Fury with those odds. Um, and I would. what's the under over? Over, under, nine and a half rounds, even money. All right. Both of them, huh? Even money. Nine and a half. Uh, so. You think he sees the end of the 10th round? You think the fight goes to I'm, uh, yeah. the 11th round? Listen, I, I'm going to go with the over. Yep. And I take a flyer with, uh, give me that, how many, what are you giving me? 400. Four to one or, yes, give me the 400. I like it. Give me the 400. Uh, give me the over and even money uh, because that would be, be my uh, backup. I have a little bit of my backup just in case I don't get the flyer. Uh, and I think that it's, again, I think it's a, it goes to show you how great our fans are who I love across the pond, uh, how great they are. They're going to come out with a guy who really, I mean, who knows Dean White? I get, I get in London and, and over in Europe, over in obviously in the UK, they know him because the fighters are, you know, they're promoted bigger over there. They're, they're, the sport is bigger uh, on average over there than it is here in a way that fighters can become stars that can't become stars over here, you know, because there's less to compete with over there. You know, I mean, soccer is the universal sport of, in the world and over there it's, they have great soccer teams. But other than that, you know, they don't have the LeBron James. They don't you know, have the Tiger Woods. They don't have the Tom Brady's. They don't, you know, they don't have all that stuff. Uh, they got snooker, right? They got snooker, <laughs> right? Don't laugh, can I? I mean, they got, they got, I'm, I'm being serious with my brothers and, and sisters over there who I love. Uh, they got crumpets. They got cricket, right? And, and they got darts. And my, my face used to be on one of the dartboards. They took <laughs> it, it down. <laughs> they took it down, which I appreciate the hell out of them, that they took it down. They sent it to me. It's not in the pubs anymore. It's over yeah. here in my house. And, and you ain't getting it. You ain't getting it back. <laughs> so I'm going with, uh, again, you got 100,000 people for this fight with a guy that really, you ask people over here who Dylan White, most people don't know. They don't know who he is, right? They know Fury, of course, but they don't know who he is. You got 100,000 people. They're hungry. These fans are hungry. They're, they're starving. They're thirsting for fights over there and, and for heavyweight fights because they have a connection. You know, the Marcus of Queensberry rules going all the way back, you know, to the 1800s, the early 1900s, early 1900s, comes from that, obviously, from that country. Uh, It's just a, it should be very interesting, a hell of an atmosphere. Can you imagine? Wow. 100,000 people, Wembley yeah, Stadium. Yeah, those the heavyweight fights under. bring out the fans. And as a thank you to all the fans, we'll be back next week with a fan favorite segment. We'll be recording a fight plan for this um, Fury and uh, Dillian White uh, fight. We'll be in the ring previewing that. We'll record it next Thursday, I think, at the Trinity Boxing Club. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person, Teddy. 
We'll be able to show off our uh, winter training fitness, and we're ready for the big fights. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I know the fans love these fight plans and see, get a chance to see all the, see you break down all the X's and O's and um, what to look for from both guys. So that's going to be fun, and it'll be nice to be uh, recording in person again. Yeah, it's going to be good to see you guys. Good to bring that to the fans. I can't wait. Uh, to finish up on this Fury fight, uh, my, my analysis of it, um, you know, White, as I said, I gave him credit for all the things that some people might not realize he's good at. Uh, it, it really, truly has danger to it, this fight for Fury. Uh, and White, yeah, he's been knocked out. You know, as I said a couple times, he's been knocked out by a 41-year-old. He's been hurt a couple times. But Fury, as big as he is, and of course he gets the job done. He got it done knocking out Wilder in two of his three fights with him. But he's not a TNT, you know, he's not a hydrogen bomb puncher. He, he's yeah. not. He's not. And he's a good boy. He's a big son of a gun. But he's not a hydrogen puncher. And... He's as likely to box you as he is to go and plant one on your potato. You know what I mean, Ken? He's yeah. as likely to do that. So uh, I, I, I see White having a lot of things that could keep him in this fight uh, and can make me do what I just did, take him as a flyer. N not, you know, again, just what you can afford. Uh, you should always bet with only what you can afford, not beyond that. But... I, I see a fly on him. At the end of the day, I'm not laying six to one. Do yeah. I think, Teddy, who do you think is going to win? I'm, I, I'm not going to go away from Fury at this point right now after what he's done. And he's proven me wrong before yeah. uh, when, when I thought Wilder was going to beat him in one of those fights. So I, I'm not going against him. He's special. He's a genius promoter. He's a guy that uh, is tough as nails. Uh, you know, he he's dimensional, as I said. He can do it all in a ring. Very unusual for a heavyweight uh, that can do so many different things. And and he's he's been on the cliff of life where he th went through a terrible patch in his life where he was thinking about suicide. Nobody should get to a place where they're thinking about suicide. He was, and he came back from that place. I, I just feel that if he could beat that, kind of depression if he could come back from that kind of place i'm not betting against him I'm, I'm, I'm not until the time comes okay fine i'll say you know what all right i was wrong but right now i'd have to stay with him in what i think is a very interesting winnable fight for white fury better yep. be good he better be right Yep. Uh, so you, you know, don't take the flyer on Dillian White. I think you might have said Fury earlier. So flyer on Dillian White getting 400, 100 to make 400 in the over nine and a half rounds. All right, book it, Rob. Thanks to the guys at my bookie for providing the lines. All right, the next one we've got Teddy on uh, May 7th to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. The great Canelo Alvarez is taking on a tough Dimitri Bivol. This is a good one. A lot of people looking forward to this. I think it's a good step up for, uh, I mean, a good test for Canelo for sure. He's already dispatched Kovalev in the light heavyweight division. He's got Bivol in his sights. All the talk is that if he can get past Bivol, next up will be Triple G and better Bev. 
It's interesting getting those two guys right as they're starting to approach those later years in their life. Be curious to see how Triple G looks in this Murata fight coming up next week. Um, but with that said, what are you looking for in the uh, Canelo Bivol fight? This is a lot of people looking forward to this one. Well, first of all, yeah, he beat Kovalev, but Kovalev was a little shot, you know. For sure. Uh, for sure. Maybe mentally as much as physically that maybe it didn't matter as much as fights should always matter he made a lot of money in that fight he made a lot of money in a lot of his fights so but canelo went and did it uh he's been in he's been winning and been on that streak obviously up and down in weights whatever this is the first fight ken for me for canelo since his second fight with triple g back in 2018 that I actually think there's a legitimate chance that his opponent can win. First time. It's the first one. I, I didn't buy into the Sanders and the Plants and with their undefeated records and everything. I didn't buy into it. I, I never, and I said it. I'm not, I'm not being a Monday morning quarterback. You could verify that for me. Uh, I, I said it before the fights. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of my brothers and sisters over there that are, you know, that make those crumpets, they didn't like it. They said, oh, you're not giving respect to Billy Joe and all that. I said, it's got nothing to do with respect. It's my Canelo, opinion. You, you, you gave your opinion, and Canelo did exactly what you said he was going to do. He dispatched them like they were out of their, like they were out of his, he was out of their league. He smashed Saunders. I mean, made him quit. That's true. And so I just, and I know Saunders, don't get on Ken because I'm with Ken, uh, that he got a broken orbital bone. I get it. I understand. Or he still gave up. He could have went on. I'm not saying it would have been responsible, not responsible, but I'm saying it's been the behavior for 200 years of fighters, certain fighters, to go on. To go on and to find a way. To go on because you can always get injured in that ring. Everybody knows what they sign up for. In any way, the great Japanese uh, champion, he had a broken orbital. People forget that. He fought with it. So again, I'm not saying he had to. And I'm not, and Ken's not saying, when you haters get out there with your forks and knives, go, you know what, go eat something with it. But don't poke it at us because it's not, uh, listen it's not an insult it's a fact hey can you continue fact. no i can't continue i don't care like you could put all the dressing on it you want hey can you continue no i can't the end and it's easier like you said in a way continued but he's also was in the fight it was close saunders was catching a beating on a one-way track and they were like can you continue it was easier to say no when you know that more of the same but is then coming. but then there's some people that will never say no there was uh, some exactly, people, I because agree. They, because they buy into that code, that code of whatever you want to call it, a warrior's code, a fighter's code, um, that, you know what, uh, if it gets taken out of your hands, it gets taken out of your hands. But as long as it's in your hands to say yes or no, you don't say no. You, you know what you, I think about when you say no, that? No, I can't go. He didn't have a broken orbital bone, but you we talked about um, uh, Corrales and... Um, and uh, what was the great round um, space? Diego Corrales. Yeah, I mean, it looked like the ref was going to have to stop, but Corrales was getting battered, knocked down three times. He's like on Queer Street. His mouthpiece is flying everywhere. The guy said, you know, kept getting him up. You're good. I'm good. And boom, knocks the other guy out. So there's, there's examples. Okay, he didn't have a broken orbital, but I mean, he was just getting smashed no, uh, to pieces. listen. There's examples of people with broken jaws. Ali fought with a broken jaw in a Ken Norton fight. Uh, I, I believe it was the first Ken Norton fight. 
he fought with a broken jaw for I think ten rounds or whatever it was. You know that's dangerous too. Yeah, that's dangerous too. Uh, there's listen. Part of the code of a fighter is to never say no. I can't. Yeah, uh, that's up to your corner. That's exactly. that's up to so. But but the fighter, the the fighters through the history of this sport that have made this sport what it is. Uh, a, a sport where you you challenge yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in that squared circle, in that chamber of truth. And you say before the fight, I, I have to go out on my shield. You hear fighters say that all the time. Some of them mean it. But, but it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to be faced with it. And I know people are going to say again, uh, Teddy, you're defending Ken, or Teddy, you're wrong to say what you're saying because, uh, you know, there's a responsibility to live. Uh, you know, you're asking somebody to put their life on it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't put words in my mouth. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is when they get in the ring, they know what they signed up for and that there is an unspoken rule you don't say no a uh, uh, law between the fighters that they're different than than civilians that they, they choose this they train for this they develop for this that yeah the ones that are real that say i gotta be taken on my shield they mean it they mean it because they have dedicated themselves to that kind of behavior, that, that, that kind of rule, if you will, that kind of code, as I use that word. And, you know, that is why we watch them. We, that's why we honor them. That's why I talk the way I talk about it, because the ones who do live by that code it is pretty damn special that they care more about how they're going to behave and what they're going to teach and what they're going to leave behind possibly than they do about that moment of safety that that moment of thinking about tomorrow they actually believe that the way i live today is the most important thing I can do. Because if it's my last day, it's the way I want to live on this planet. It's the way I might want to leave this planet. And it's definitely the way I want to be remembered on this planet. So, I, again, I thought going into those fights that there was only one guy could win. It was Canelo. I think that now against Bevo, that... It's the first time, as I said, since Triple G2 that his opponent has a legitimate chance to win. Now, here's the breakdown. It's not, people don't have the chance in Teddy Atlas's estimation to win because he's the naturally bigger guy and stronger. Because he is. He's the naturally bigger guy. He's a light heavyweight. Uh, Canelo was not born to be a light heavyweight. But he's not the bigger guy anymore. Canelo, and he's not the stronger guy. That advantage won't win the fight for him. If he wins the fight, people, it'll be because of his science. 
it'll be because he's he's a real good technical boxer that he'll control the outside, get the environment he wants, get the geography he wants. On the outside, not in close, where Canelo can use his power, his superior power. Yeah, this is a guy who started as junior welterweight, uh, and, and he's moved all the way up. Junior middle, middle, light heavyweight, back to middle, and I can't see him going back from light heavyweight because he no longer is close to that man anymore. You know, whether it's through the natural or unnatural things, listen, you know, I don't know, you know, from eating those burgers in that Mexican shop over there, uh, uh, maybe the Whoppers that they serve over there that, that have a special sauce on them, uh, you know, I don't know. And I, I listen, I kid and people get mad at me, but there's some truth in there. We know that he tested positive, you know, for that stuff that you're not supposed to put in your veins and punch somebody while it's in your veins. I don't know. Maybe it's just a great weight program of, of, of lifting weights that he's on. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe, maybe, whatever it is, he's not the smaller guy anymore. Everyone, you so stop with this. Oh, he moved up the light heavyweight and he beat a light heavyweight. He's a light heavyweight. He's bigger than the light heavyweights now, legitimately. And he's stronger. He's thicker. Just look at him. So he's the bigger, stronger guy in there with the naturally bigger guy who was born to be bigger. He's bigger. So if he, if he's going to win, Canelo, he's going to have to get into the range where he can engage Bevel enough to use these advantages, to hurt Bevel, to make him feel his power of the smaller man who's now bigger. He's going to have to hurt him in the body, take some of the air out of his legs, uh, the tires, as I like to say on ESPN, uh, take some of the air out of those radios so he can't use his legs because Bevel wins Two ways, jab and legs, jab and legs. I think it's going to be very interesting, Ken, to see how big this ring is because because of Canelo, who's the golden goose of boxing, gets his way with decision, with everything, whatever, forget it. He gets his way with everything. He makes the, he lays the golden eggs. If he gets, his people get their way, this is going to be fought in a telephone booth. I mean, like, if he could get away with it. I mean, uh, the smaller the ring, the better for Canelo. The bigger the ring, the better for people. So that's number one. That's the first part of the fight. I'm pretty confident that Canelo, his promoters and managers, will have every single advantage known to man in his corner. If he needs a bigger ring, it'll be as big as the entire arena. If he needs shorter rounds, they'd probably make him shorter. And as I always used to say when I was calling the fights on ESPN, that doesn't make you the amazing Kreskin. <laughs> or Notre Dame. I'm just pointing out that all the things that are going to be good for Bevel will not be available to him. That's for 100% certain. That's the first thing. How big's the ring going to be? And like Ken said, if you're going to bet on it, if you're probably my bookie will have that closed. That's not on the board. <laughs> Off the board. <laughs> Off the board, baby. Off the board. They're not stupid over there at my bookie. Off the board. So if Bevo, the pure breakdown of this fight, as I was giving it to you, Bevo going to win, it's going to be legs and jab. 
He's going to outjab him. He's going to control range. He's not going to let the stronger Canelo get into range to go to the body, to take his legs away, to hurt him. I'll tell you something that Canelo's really good at. He don't get credit for timing guys as they punch. Here's sometimes get into that near that pocket area. (laughs) And as you're throwing, here time right with you. Bang, bang. It's beautiful. His timing is really good. And he'll, he'll be able to nail you as you're throwing. He needs to do that to win this fight. He needs to get into position where Bevo, who's a very cautious guy, very careful, very smart boxer, where Bevo, as he's throwing his combinations, which he usually does after he steps out, he likes to go in and out, Bevo. He's like a yo-yo, up and down, in and out. He'll get off, he'll step out. You come in, he'll counter you. You don't come in, he'll come right back and put three together. That's when he'll put them together. If he gets those spots where he does that, and he comes back to put those combos together, which he probably will. That's where Canelo has to either lure him in or just be ready for him and time him with something in between those shots to slow him down, to, to hurt him. So that's, that's what I see for this fight as far as either one of them winning. Bevo got to be on the outside. Got to be with jabs, legs. Got to stop from, he can't engage with Canelo too much. If he does, he better do it on his terms. Uh, get, at, get out, get him off at the right time and get out. Uh, if he stays there a little too long, he might get timed by Canelo. I'll tell you one thing I do know. There's no chance on, on, on earth I had to think for a second, do I want to say this? But I do. There's no chance on earth <laughs> that Beevil's winning a decision. They're, they're, uh, single to Mayo or in Vegas. It's in Vegas, right, the fight? Uh, uh, just second, just make so. sure I'm right on that. Uh, it is in, yep, it's a T-Mobile in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will, Pick up T-Mobile and put it on my back if he loses a decision. I don't know how I do it. I'll figure it out. I'll start taking more athletic greens. I'll double up on him. I'll he'd triple up no- on him. You'd have to knock him down every single round. Then he's still, it's going to be a split decision. <laughs> I can tell you right now, and he and Beaver going to get disqualified. <laughs> he, really. He's not, winning a, he's not winning a decision. But... Uh, for him to win, I can't. All I can tell you is for him to win, he's got to be on the outside. He's got to be going in and out, jabs, legs, uh, pick his spots. And for Canelo to win legitimately, he's got to go to the body. He's got to use his job. Canelo's got a really hard, hard, stiff accurate jab. Bevo's going to out-jab him if he's going to win or if it's going to be at all competitive for him. He's got to out-jab him. But let me tell you, Canelo can be out-jabbed and still win because his jab is used just enough and it's hard and straight, accurate enough where it can make up for somebody else's jab that throws it maybe four times. 
That's how that's how strong his jab is. And he usually is smart enough to mix it in there enough not to allow an opponent to own the jabbing world. Even if they even if they have uh, a jab that, you know, is used more frequently, he usually does not allow them to dominate in that area. That's one of the reasons he's gotten better, he's improved, and why he's, you know, on some people's list of pound for pound. You know, I still have Crawford because of his great instincts, his great ability, and his great ability to fight you in so many dimensions, so many dimensions. But Canelo, I understand Canelo is up. Yeah, well, to your point, if you think Bevel is the toughest fight he's had, I think you can get pretty good action on Bevel, pretty good value, I'm sorry, at Bevel plus 300 laying four on Canelo. I think at that with those lines in accordance with what you just said, I think you got to take Bevel and plus money, especially three to one. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think he gets a decision, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I take a, I take a look. At the end of the day, I believe whether it's because of the corruption in the sport, whether it's not because of that, whether it's because that Canelo has improved to the level he has and become the fighter that he has, a smart fighter, a dependable fighter, and, and he's become so strong. Whatever the reason is, I think at the end of the day, Canelo wins. I just think that he's finally in there with a guy he hasn't been in there with for for all these the last couple of years. That that oh yeah, this could be this. This no, it can't be this. It can't be that. <laughs> it can only be what it is. Canelo winning. This is one way. Yeah, you could make a legitimate argument that there could be some risk. At the end of the day, I think Canelo wins the fight. And 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 um, I think he's a strong, good puncher now. Really good puncher, better than he ever was. Accurate, play system doesn't waste anything. He can be out hustled. He can be outworked. But uh, again, even if you pull that off, you still got to deal with three people in that building. <laughs> they're called judges <laughs> I think that that's where you get the uh, that's why you're getting such good value there because the real question is do you think Bivol can knock him out because that's the only way he's most likely going to be able to win this fight so in that regard maybe it's not that maybe the value isn't that great but nevertheless that's another one that gonna, we're going to be recording a fight plan for guys so if you uh, if you enjoy those and you enjoy the X's and O's of the fight game and watching Teddy walk through the strategies and walk through the actual techniques I know I always enjoy being part of it so I think that um, I think you'll enjoy these so we're going to record that like I said next week they'll be up right before the fights themselves and with that we've got a couple quick hit topics um if Rob wants to get three minutes on the clock, we'll go through those. We've only got one scheduled, but then as a refresher today, I'd love to just touch on, given that the Triple G, like I said before, we have a full interview with Triple G, so if you haven't seen that, please go back and watch it ahead of the fight. It was a great interview. He was very candid, always a gentleman and, and super gracious with his time. Thanks to the great Fred Sternberg, PR extraordinaire, for arranging that. 
always appreciate the help from the PR professionals in the sports world. Um, so maybe we'll just, in, in, as part of the quick hits, Teddy, just give a quick refresher reminder of what we're looking for in the, uh, or what you're looking for in the Triple G Murata fight, given that it's coming up this week. Um, but as soon as Rob gets the time up here on the clock, we'll get a uh, couple rounds of quick hit action. Um, starting with Oscar Valdez and um, Shakur Stevenson. This is a great battle of two undefeated, up-and-coming young kids that have been making a lot of noise in the sport. Just for a refresher, Shakur Stevenson, 17-0 with nine knockouts. Oscar Valdez, 30-0 with 23 knockouts. As with everything in boxing, you know, one of the things that you have to consider when you look at the record is who have they fought, what are the rec- what's the record of the opponents, etc., etc. But with that, Teddy, let's kick it off. What are you looking for? Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson coming up in a few weeks. Who do you like and why? I like Stevenson. Um, I think this is the best opponent he's fought, uh, without a doubt. Uh, a lot of people, you know, up to now, the, his last fight was the best opponent in Jamal Herring. But for me, Jamal Herring had no chance to win that fight, and I love him. Former Marine, everything else. And Herring, I'm giving compliment to Stevenson now, fought the best fight I ever saw him fight. The best he ever was. People are going to say, what are you talking about? He lost. It's the best I ever saw him. He was he was that good. But at the end of the day, I just felt that Herring was too old and too small. And Stevenson was too good. Too damn good uh, for people that think I'm not giving him his props. Because I am. Uh, he was too. He was just too good. But I thought, I thought that it was funny. I'm always waiting for Stevenson. I think some people are with me to get tested. I know he's really good. He's really solid technically. Um, there's nothing he doesn't do really good that he's not good. The one thing, he's not a great puncher. And then one other thing which has got nothing to do with really was talent, but he's not the most exciting guy in the world. But there's an excuse for that. I was thinking about it last night. He doesn't have to be because to be exciting, sometimes you got to take risks. He he never has to take any. He he's that good, and and he's always that much in control in his fights. Uh, I I was waiting for him to be tested. He's the kind of guy that kind of like Sugar Ray Leonard was before the Duran fight. We knew he was great, but we didn't know if he was a fighter. Yeah, we wanted to see him tested. And then the Duran fight, he lost, but we loved him more because he was tested. He showed us what was on inside, not just outside. We knew the stuff outside was great. And that's kind of how I feel about Steve. We know the stuff outside is great. It really is. But what's inside? He hasn't been tested yet yeah some people say the herring fight but no he he knew he couldn't lose that fight it was kind of like the uh, the older brother fighting the younger brother the older brother's always gonna win because no matter what no matter how good the younger brother got because he knows he's gonna win because he knows he ain't gonna let him lose he ain't gonna let him win he he ain't gonna lose he knows he's gonna beat the smaller brother the younger brother and that's kind of how that stevenson fight was for me he just knew that herring couldn't beat him so he couldn't beat him and i want to see him tested i think everyone to, to see what's we know what's outside what's inside and at the end of the day i don't know if valdez is that guy but to win the fight he's gonna have to hurt him because Stevenson does too many things better than him. He's going to have to hurt him. He's the better. He's the better puncher in that fight, Valdez. But 
He's going to have to go to the body. He's going to have to use a jab so Stevenson doesn't control the jab on the outside all night long, do whatever he wants, pot shot, everything else. He's going to have to do that. And he's going to have to test them and bring them to a dark place where fighters get brought if they're around long enough, to a dark place to see whether or not he knows how to put a light on in that dark place. That's the only question left for me about Stevenson. Does he know how to put a light on, Ken, in a dark place? I'm going to I'm gonna bet that if he ever gets taken to that dark place, I'm going to say, yeah, he probably does. But until then, that's the only thing that's still out there to be answered about Stevenson. Really, is can he put a light on in a dark place? And is there anyone good enough to take him to that dark place? I don't know. I'm picking him to win the fight uh, at the end of the day over Valdez. And that fight is April 30th, so we'll have a lot more on that in the uh, coming weeks. We'll touch on that. We'll get a little deeper right before the fight. But um, last one, unplanned. Just a quick reminder. Tell me what you're looking for in the uh, – remind everyone what you're looking for in Triple G against Murata. I think not a lot of Americans are, are super – I mean, the boxing hardcore fans are going to lash out at me and say, how dare you? But a lot of fans, like casual fans, might not be too familiar with uh, Murata's body of work. What are you looking for in that one, and does Murata have a chance? Murata was a gold medalist. Triple G was a silver medalist in Olympics. For whatever that's worth. I'm just saying. I called Murata's fights in Olympics for NBC when he when he you know was there campaigning and winning the, the gold medal. Uh first thing I'll say, we always say we we pride ourselves in just saying what we believe and what my experience tells me to say. Five years ago, six years ago, whatever, Morata um, has no chance. This fight comes down to what Triple G shows up. What is left to Triple G? How much of him is left? That's what he's 41 years old, I think, right? 41 or he's uh, 40. He's going to be 40 actually the day after the fight. You know, who is he now? I don't think he's the same guy. I don't know if he can be the same guy he's been in the past, but... Who is he? That's the that's what this fight comes down to. What does he have left on that night, the night before his fortieth birthday? Murata is a guy that's physical enough, no frills. He's in front of you. He goes to the body well. Triple G goes to the body really well. Um, you know, he's a game guy. You know, he's he's a guy that likes to be aggressive. So for that, the style should make for fairly interesting fight. And I'll put in a little bit of an X factor here. Yeah, we always expect Triple G to come forward. But in his last fight that we saw him at, at the level of Triple G, what I think of a, you know, uh, a younger Triple G with Canelo, both fights I thought he won. The first one by engaging Canelo. The second one by using the jab. There was a little transition there, a little bit. A little bit in that fight where he started to use the jab. Do we see that now more accentuated where it's the Triple G at 40 that's got to use the jab more, that's got to box a little bit more on the outside? That's all interesting to me. The most interesting, compelling thing about this fight for me to get in front of a TV set to watch it is to, what I said at the beginning of bringing this fight down. What is he now? What is Triple G now? What's he got left? That's the most interesting. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see that. 
Uh, I think it's going to go rounds. Uh, again, Triple G was always a good body puncher. Murata's a good body puncher. Murata's right there to get caught in a body. Uh, can Triple G exploit that? Take advantage of that? We'll find out. I think it's going to be a, a decent fight. Maybe more than a decent fight. Sometimes when you get the great fighters at the end, they don't have the skills they used to have, but they still have the character. Yeah. And you know what? Don't forget the drill in Manila with yeah. Ali and Frazier. Both fighters were shot physically from what they were, but their character, it was still there, and it made it a great fight. In some ways, even greater, because they were more available than they would have been when they had their skill sets at a higher level. Yep. Well, that was a pretty good, thorough breakdown of all the action we have upcoming. We... Um Thanks for doing this, Teddy. There wasn't a lot to cover, but these previews I think will be helpful for um, certainly for the fans that are here every week to give an idea of what's coming up. And like I said, with this calendar, we're going to have tons of stuff to break down. UFC's back in action, I think, next week, so there'll always be stuff to talk about on the MMA front, but this was a rare, rare weekend without any um, action on the calendar at all. So... Looking forward to the coming months. There's a lot of good stuff. Definitely going to try to get to some of these fights myself. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing you and the Rob and the rest of the team next week in New York City for um, some fight plan recording and uh, final preparation for the Boston Marathon on April 18th. Yeah, I'm glad that you're back in shape. I'm glad that your shoulder's healed because you're going to need it for this fight plan. Okay? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so I'm glad. I see those veins popping out of your arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you're working. You're working. When it comes yeah. down to the last like four, six weeks of a race, then I start to like really get 100% serious with the diet. You know, in the early, you know, 10, 12 weeks out, you're training a lot, so you're hungry, so I'm not paying attention to my diet. But as it gets closer, especially with something like a marathon, I don't want to carry in one extra ounce that isn't necessary. So I do try to like, get it dialed in right and try to do everything right the diet when is the, the when is it how two weeks from the, today monday april weeks. 18th always on patriots day wow flag that's, day that's great of course we'll talk about it when we get closer yeah, but uh of course best of luck in that uh we you got not just me and rob and sam here who does a great job of course filming all this sam rivera, sam rivera but films we, yeah best. but you got all our fans rooting for you you know, yep. uh, so they're incredible. We know, we know you won't let us down. We nope. we know that's what I was talking about when we were talking earlier. You know about the Saunders fight, about this. We know that these guys are fighters. We know they're tough, but it's still your choice how tough you want to be. That's and it. you know, one thing that I feel sure about is. Uh, no matter how you feel that day, you may turn out that day. Who knows? I, God willing, it's not. But you could turn out where it's not your best day, where yeah, where you don't feel happened. great, where where you get some cramps uh, in the early in the early miles. But I know one thing. I really f mean this, Ken. I know that you won't capitulate. You you won't give in. You won't cooperate with the <laughs> devil. So That's to speak, sure. you won't cooperate with that guy. You say no. I'm going to win on a bad day. Then That's all. But That's it. but I but I I'm not going to bad, good, or indifferent. I'm not giving in. And that's what we said at the top of the show. You know, go live life. Don't give in. Don't and capitulate. To, you, to, to your point, 
earlier in the show when you said, you know, get out there and do things. I tell everyone, sometimes I've, I've spoken to people about running uh, like in speaking engagements. And I say to everyone, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not naturally good at this. I just worked hard. And if you think that I have something that you like as a runner, if you want this kind of the accolades or it's available to anyone. All you have to do is train hard. I'm running 100 miles a week. This isn't natural talent. Every single thing I have, I worked hard for. And my point is this feeling of having something on the agenda, on the calendar that's mine personally, physically, doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be fighting. But I promise you that my life is 10 times better when there are things going on that I care about that are mine personally, they don't involve my children, my wife, my job. This is just something selfishly that I do for my own pursuit. It's brought me some attention, and but the carryover into my personal life has been immeasurable. It's it, 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 it's a reflect. I think some people view it as a reflection, and I hope they do as a reflection of how I take care of things in my life. Is how I handle my training. With I'm serious about it because it means something to me. To your point, Teddy, when you always talk about be dependable. I like to be dependable to myself when I make a commitment. Maybe your commitment is walking two miles or someone else's commitment is uh, they had an injury. They want to walk up six flights of stairs, whatever it is. I promise you when you're working towards something, your life has more meaning. You have to have things that matter to you, especially physical physical goals. And they don't have to be climbing Mount Everest. It could be whatever it is. It just has to be challenging. And uh yeah, hopefully people get that from the show and from all your uh, musings about different topics is ultimately that's what it's all about is living your life to the fullest and setting goals and getting out there and giving meaning to your life. Anyone can do it. It doesn't have to be on a big stage, but I can't tell you how much it means to me to have the support from the fans and friends and family and, and you know, but without me going out and setting these goals, no one knows anything. No, that There is no feeling of accomplishment or even failure even when they end badly it's like damn it's in the moment it's it's overwhelming but in time you learn hey if i did if that didn't happen to me yesterday it might have happened to me next week now that's out of the way i won't let that happen again so when i came up with the name of this show i remember rob asked me seems like yesterday but it's been a while already uh what what do you want to name and i said the fight because we're all in a fight. It's not because of my profession. People say, oh, yeah, Teddy picked that because of his profession. Not really. I picked it because of what I understand about life through my profession, that we're in a fight. It's, it's, it's all a matter of what you fight for, but we're all in a fight. And I'll tell you, to, to encapsulate what you said and for my, to put my, my, my feelings on it and and my slant on that uh, and what I always talk about. Uh, years ago, I trained, I was listed as a coach, but that's, you know, that you could argue, that, that's arguable, um, coach of the New York Jets football team. And, but I was, I was training them for three years, working with them, the psychological part, the most part, but physically giving them boxing lessons, you know, working with them. And, I would have to obviously talk to them about them going into these dark rooms, these gray rooms, I would call them. And it's your choice to you. When you go to the gray room, do you allow yourself to go to the dark room or do you start moving to the gray room and then out of the gray room back into the, the room with light? And I remember I would, some of these guys have some of the greatest genetics in the history of man. 
I mean, and you can't control that. And I remember some of them that didn't have the best genetics. I'd be talking to them. And they'd be side by side with these guys that are like, forget it. You know, Mr. Universe. Uh, you're just genetics popping out of their ears. And they don't have those genetics. And they're never going to have them. And it's great to have them. I wish everyone could have them, but you can't. And I would talk to them and they would say, but Teddy, you know, I'm not as fast or as, you know, naturally as strong or jump as high as these, this guy or that guy. And I say, no, no, but there's a place, there's a place you can go and get what you need. And he said, where? <laughs> you know, these, they were great. They were great. They were big kids, you know. He goes, Teddy, where? I said, well, it's a shopping center. It's a, a shopping center? He goes, you don't mean like, you know, bad things, do you? I said, no, 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 they're good things. They're good things. And this shopping center, they got aisles, and you go down aisle for what? I said, well, there's an aisle, and one aisle that's, um, they got determination. Pull it off the, pull it out of the, pull it out. Another one, they got work ethic. Grab a few boxes of that, you know? Uh, another one, they have belief. Grab a few of those, you know, get a dozen of those. You know, another one, they have uh, reliability, you know, get a bushel, get a bushel, uh, <laughs> get a bushel of, of, of that stuff. Get it, get really, and put it all together, mix it up, absorb it, grab it, live it, and you know what? You won't be thinking about genetics anymore. You 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 have everything you need to succeed and be the best you can be, and that's all you can ask for. You have everything to be the best you can be. And in some cases, you'll be better than the people that have only the genes, only the genetics. And, and, you know, that, and to your point, to what you brought up at the end here, that's, that's my spin on it and my explanation of it, uh, that it's there for everybody. The, the things you need are out there. You just have to be willing to visit that store. <laughs> you know, that's right that's, that's exactly right and it, as it pertains to running like it's there but you have to be go out and run when it's raining when it's cold when it's snowing when no one wants to i tell everyone the race is your opportunity to go out and show off show everyone what you've been doing because no one really cares all they know is you had to go home early saturday because you wanted to do some stupid long run sunday and now on marathon monday is your opportunity to be like here's what i've been cooking up and uh, anyway, a lot to look forward to coming up. But before we sign off, Ted, I just want to give a quick shout out to the guys at my bookie. They got a big, big pay-per-view card coming up this weekend. Our friend Alex Volkanovsky, friend of the show, he's been on with us before. Go back and look at the interview if you haven't seen it. He's fighting the Korean zombie, Aljamain Sterling versus Petra Yan, number two. If you remember, Yan got uh, through the illegal knee while Aljamain uh, Sterling was down, damaged him. Sterling got up but couldn't continue. And, of course, Gilbert Burns giving uh, Shemaev his biggest test yet. This Wow, this is a stacked card. I didn't even realize until I was reading it. But go to my bookie and use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. They'll give you a 50% credit on your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. So you put in two grand, they will give you another 1000 You'll have 3000 to gamble with. Gamble responsibly. Don't put in two grand if you only have three in your savings account. But... Whatever you want to do, they'll give you 50% credit on your first deposit. And with that, Teddy, thanks for doing this. It's great to see you as always, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. 
Me too. And that card you just mentioned, unbelievable. Yeah. Really. You know. I mean, Volkanovski's not human. We know that, right? He's not. <laughs> I was trying to describe he, to someone the other day. When he's he was willing. In that. He's true. He's willing to become a zombie. He's he's willing to die and become a zombie. He proved that. He didn't talk about it. No. Nope. He showed it. He showed it. When when he was in that triangle, whatever the frick they call it, around his mounted, neck, he had him in a yeah. mounted uh, guillotine. Guillotine, guillotine. Uh, he was I'm, bucking uh, and bucking and jiving and shucking. And he said he told us on the show again. If you haven't seen the interview, it's worth a listen. He uh, he said the flight started to flicker. All he could think was, "Oh my God, I'm going to lose my title and like one last ditch effort in this." weird like hip bucking he was like i just went through a mental checklist of all of the moves i knew how to get out of this and there were only a couple and i just started bucking wildly and that's what it looks like he started thrusting his hips and next thing you know <laughs> it looked like out. he was having it looked like he was having a convulsion and then his reward for getting out of that mounted guillotine oh right into brian ortega's signature triangle choke which is why they call him t-city and he got out of that too it was and you could see you could see Ortega was almost like, I can't get him with that. Just beat me up. It's over. If I can't get those jokes at this stage, it's over. Those are my, I got so, him. And, and on the card with that, Shemaev, who you mentioned, Ooh. I mean, the next Khabib maybe, I don't know, yep. whatever. But I mean, with that mentality, with that ability on the mat, uh, and and uh, just, and, and he's becoming, showing other dimensions to him too. Uh, it's just, it's that guy. I every time I I want to see him because I want to see can he maintain this level of not excellence, but just beyond excellence, like perfect, like like he looks like one of those guys like Khabib became that you just can't beat, you yeah, know. And we always like say everyone everyone could be beat, you know. But uh, he looks like the guy that really makes you say some guys uh, maybe they can't and then of course Jan who I think is just an unbelievable striker oh, I yeah. mean uh, just a really really uh, he could be a professional boxer so it's a hell of a card yep well, we'll be down we'll be back next week guys to break it all down and like I said we've got some fight plans coming up lots of good things in the uh in the pipeline so thanks for being with us please subscribe to the show subscribe to the newsletter there's a lot of good information in there and um we'll be back with you guys next Monday thanks guys